G'day and welcome to Willosophy with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson from the title of the show. It is called Willosophy with Will Anderson now. I need to say that because we had to change the title. It used to be called Willosophy. There were some issues. Now it's called Willosophy with Will Anderson. So uh, that's what you have to Google to find it, uh, to find out where to listen to it. But uh, you found it. You're here. So uh, congratulations. Well done. You're already an excellent human. I, I'm not going to bug around too much here at the top, but I'll just do a qu- little quick explanation because there might be particularly some Australian listeners who are not familiar with Emily V. Gordon, who is my guest today. Uh, I love Emily. Uh, when I decided to do the podcast again, she was one of the first people I thought of. I wanted to know what her philosophy was. Uh, I think she's a really impressive person. If you don't know much of her background, she explains a bit of it in the podcast, but she used to be a couples and family therapist, and now she's a freelance writer, comedy producer, and podcast. Uh, she's incredibly funny. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode, both for her philosophies and for her humor. I really enjoyed spending the time with her. If you want to follow her, I would uh, recommend you do. She writes fantastically. Her Tumblr page is is really excellent, and uh, and you can find all her writings there. So uh, Google Emily V. Gordon or look for her on Twitter at the Dynamite. She will laugh. Uh, explain that a little later in the podcast but uh I, I really think you'll you'll love listening to her and following her so uh emily v gordon is my guest today i'm not going to do too many other plugs uh, i am going to release an old episode this week as well um i'm trying to get through the backlog so they can all be brand new episodes and i've been recording some good ones in the last week as well so i think you're going to be really excited about some of the stuff that's uh, coming up thanks so much for the support of the podcast again uh, you know, uh, subscribe to it so that you get all the new episodes, uh, rate it wherever you listen to it. And, uh, that always helps me out getting it out to as many people as possible. So I appreciate that. Um, I'll do some quick plugs, but I'll be really quick with it. January 19 at Sydney Opera House, the final night of the Illuminati tour. It's the biggest gig probably of my life. I, I've got to, got to be honest with you playing the concert hall at the Opera House. We're filming it all for a big special for the US. So I'd love you to be there. Uh, the early show is pretty much sold out apart from a handful of tickets. The 9.30 show, which is actually the last show of the tour that started on March 1 in 2014. There are some tickets available. That'll be fun. It'll be a really fun show. The last uh, show of the tour is always one of the most fun shows. As you say goodbye to a show that you've been living with for so long, Justin Hamilton's doing support. And if you can't make it to Sydney or if you've already seen the show, then uh, the new tour is already on sale. Of course, uh, March 2, I think, in, <laughs> I start in Adelaide with Free Will. After that, the Brisbane Comedy Festival and then the Melbourne International Comedy Festival for the Free Will Show. So uh, check those out as well. I have another podcast. It's called uh, TOFOP uh, or FOFOP. So uh, if you Google T-O-F-O-P, it's a more comedy podcast, but I think you would enjoy that also. And we are doing the 200th episode uh, live of FOFOP at Meltdown, which is where Emily, of course, runs her show, the Nerd Melt Show, Um, the Meltdown Show at Nerd Melt. Um, so I, I, it'll be Monday, the 9th of February, uh, the big live 200th. It's free to come to, uh, Dave Anthony, Gareth Reynolds, Matt Kirshen, Daniel Sloss, Jen Kirkman are all guests. It's the faux Fengers edition. It's, uh, all my favorite international faux fop guests. So it's going to be an absolute corker. I would love if you're in the area, if you came down to that. And if you're in San Francisco, I will be in town for the San Francisco sketch fest. So just SF sketch fest. Uh, find out the details of my gigs there. I'm doing set lists and some other shows. So it'd be cool if you came out and saw those. But I'm not going to do any more plugs. Uh, Apart from this, well, I should mention this because I've mentioned this the last few times and I wanted to get the details. Uh, I wanted to give a big shout out to Nick. Nick Nick O'Donnell is part of a band called St. Hugh. uh, S-A-I-N-T Hugh. St. Hugh. And uh, he supplied me uh, the intro music that we're using. Well, 
he gave me this music uh, probably about six uh, six months ago, I guess, and uh, it's become a song, or it was always going to become a song. But uh, I'm going to uh, they're they're going to release the song, the finished version version of the song. Uh, they're going to release it. Uh, I think in a couple of months, I'll give you the details when you can actually buy a copy. Uh, but uh, Nick's been nice enough to say that I can uh, play the whole song at the end of this podcast. So instead of the usual outro, outro music, if you want to stick around, you can hear the entire song. Uh, it's called I Like You, which I think is a fantastic name uh, for a song that features on this podcast as well, because it is only people that I like that I'm having on the podcast. So uh, make sure you check out I Like You uh, featuring Holly B., uh, at the end of this podcast as well. Okay, guys, I uh, hope you enjoy Emily V. Gordon. Hello, um, hello. that wasn't a good start. Hello, I'm going to leave that, by the way, guest who I haven't named yet, but people already probably know because they've read the description. It's always a bit of a mystery. I never really know how to introduce the podcast. I'm going to say this. Hello and welcome to Willosophy. Uh, I'm Will Anderson. Uh, I'm the host of the show. Uh, This is a very special episode because... Uh, our guest doesn't know this. I didn't fill her in. I didn't think it was important for her to know this, but she's going to hear it now anyway before I introduce her. Uh, I did about uh, six episodes of this podcast and uh, people really liked it. In fact, they liked it more than they liked my podcast I've done 300 episodes of. <laughs> and that shit me a little bit. i got to be honest with you, I was jealous of my own success. I wanted the success I was having for this podcast to be having for the podcast that I actually thought was Put representative of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was ruining my own life. <laughs> and then I couldn't get guests for the podcast because this is a podcast where I want to ask interesting people, people that I admire, people that I think that I can learn from or the audience can learn from about their philosophies about various things. They're, they're people that I want to have philosophical conversations with and you can't just find those people all the time, particularly when you're on the road. There was a third thing. I wasn't finding a lot of women, just coincidentally. I was finding not many guests at all, but I also just like out of the six episodes, like I think five of them were men. And we live in a world at the moment where I think I'm becoming hyper aware of like, I've spent the last six months just listening, right? Like I made a decision kind of post yes or women, I guess was like the moment. And I just, I started following a whole bunch of new people on Twitter through that, you know, that I thought were interesting. And so in the last six months or so, all I've been reading about is, you know, what women are saying about what women have been going through. And I made a really distinct choice at the start of that, that I was not, I was going to... Listen without prejudice to quote the great George Michael. I was volume two or volume which volume? <laughs> volume three. This I'm is a big the fan, big this fan. is the volume three. I live down the road from where he got caught masturbating at the kidding? park. So he's yeah, it's just down the road. Weirdly, from there. I think all of us do. I think right. he's got caught masturbating literally everywhere at this point. <laughs> that could be good. Uh, I, okay, hang on. You know what? Like before, I'm going to introduce our guest because it's weird for me to say all this without introducing her. <laughs> this this was meant to be my big smooth comeback episode where I knew what I'd been doing after having six months off this podcast, but I can explain it with our guests. Uh, I'm going to ask the one thing uh, that I am keeping from the original podcast, which is I'm going to say to you, uh, mm. guest, okay. who are you? Oh, <laughs> I'm. Uh, my name is Emily V. Gordon, and uh, I am a person. I am a woman. I live here in Los Angeles. I am a writer. Uh, I'm a producer, and I'm a former therapist. 
but mainly I'm a person. I am so glad I kept that question. Like that's the, the one thing that, cause originally when I did the first six episodes, Emily, I, uh, I didn't really know what I was doing. Nobody I, ever does. Right. <laughs> Nobody does. Oh, but even less than that. Like I really did not know what I was doing and I thought I would discover what I was doing while I was doing it. And I think that the audience really discovered it and they really responded to it. Great. Uh, but I still didn't know why I was doing it. Okay. You know, and I think to do a podcast in particular, you only do these things for, you know, and I guess why I was so jealous of this podcast is I think that Tofop, my other podcast, is such a representation of all of me. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like the thing that if you want to know what I'm like, just listen, listen to, to that podcast mm-hmm. and you will hear everything from my serious opinions to my most ridiculous, like, you know, but all of me. Yes. Whereas like... This is small part, right. more niche. Yeah. 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 And and it was like society was saying, we enjoyed that you more than the actual all of you. Or I would say, I think podcasts in general are so specialized now. I just got contacted on the way here by a podcast that's just about Nine Inch Nails. Just the band Nine Inch Nails. They're getting so specific that I think people want very specific podcasts. Right. I think that's all it is. Okay. So... I've been thinking about this. And so I'll bring you into this conversation because you are actually uh, very emblemic of where I've come to about it and why I'm so glad that you're the first guest back on. You're the first uh, episode of this that I've recorded since I decided to keep going with it, right? Okay. All right. Because it was – okay. So I did the first six episodes. I'll give you the quick – you know, the the last week on the blacklist. (laughs) 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 The little quick recap. By the way, one of the things that people hated about the old show was me talking too much. So that's all I've done in this episode so far. Like, anyway, whatever. Fuck you. It's my podcast. Absolutely. So uh, I'd done five or six episodes. I'd only got one female guest. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I was reading all this, you know, stuff about – now, I've never considered myself to be – I wouldn't know. I would have always thought I was. Yeah, I've always considered myself to be a feminist in uh, the, like sure. the traditional and proud to say that because you know I believe that men and women should be given equal opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like it just makes sense. Makes sense, yeah. right? So I would have always considered myself that. But even I have been shocked at these stories and these not just like the stories that I've read. You know, post yes or women mm-hmm. because the thing to me. Like some people seem to think, well, look, well, it's just people complaining now. No, it's that these women who were never given a voice yeah. to complain about that. Because why would the men in charge give someone a voice, you know, saying, hang on. Yeah, can you so have we're a just bit kind of, of making that? our own voice rather than waiting for someone to be like, hey, tell us what you think. We're like, no, we're just going to tell you either way. You can listen to it or not. We're just going to say it either way. Right. And I liked how you put it that you've just been listening the last six months because I do feel like uh, that is often not happening. People are just waiting for like, well, I already have my comeback to whatever it is you're going to say. So you just go ahead and when the words stop coming out of your mouth, I'm going to say what I'm going to say. And there's not a lot of listening in general. And I think uh, I think listening and, and gaining empathy is always a good thing. So well, I like how you put it that way. Okay. Well, cause, because here's the thing that I had to think in my mind was firstly, like oh, a lot of people are saying this yeah you know it's not like even in the olden days i can imagine if you lived through like the first wave of feminism you could still go oh, it's a bunch of angry women who wrote some books and there's like five of them you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. but this is not five yeah this is hundreds of people that i follow on twitter people yeah. that i consider to be within my life and my world and whatever sharing the same stories yeah very like, very casual very very like uh just very casual sexism yeah happens all the time Right. Yeah. And but and so I started to think because here's the thing, I don't think that learning about like the people that I share my world with, like 
it doesn't, I, I don't feel like I'm a worse person. Oh, I God, feel no. like I'm a worse person. Here's what I, I, I okay. Mate, I, I'd like to get your opinion on this. Okay. My attitude to the world is I don't actually blame somebody for doing something bad if no one had ever told them that that thing was bad. I, right? I definitely hear what you're saying, yes. Yeah. Certainly to a certain extent. Absolutely. I'm sure there are circumstances that people could rise and I'd be like, oh, no, no, well, that's an exception. <laughs> but like yeah. in general. Mm-hmm. But then if you tell somebody, hey. This is not cool. This is not cool. Yeah. And then they continue to do it once they know it's not cool. That, you know, that becomes. And then also not only continuing to do it, but having an attitude of like, well, how dare you tell me what's not okay? I've been doing it this whole time and it's been fine. Why is it not okay now? Like, right. just listen to what the, the feedback. And then you actually, you get to make your own choice of whether or not you keep doing it. But it's not, it's not super cool to know that something that you're doing is hurting other people. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we have this opportunity now to know that. Yeah. But we also, I think, well, I've been trying to challenge myself and say, okay, where in your life could you, like, where in, what do you do? What do you do? You, this guy who thinks you're fantastic and awesome and friend to all women and, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. what, what do you do that falls into <clears throat> any of these categories? Yeah. And I don't think it's many things. Yeah. But I am more careful, I've noticed, with my eye. Like, you know, if I'm just like oh, interesting. grocery okay. shopping or something and some like beautiful <laughs> woman walks by and like your my my natural instinct, something that I had never thought of, like I'm not like leering at a woman or sure. like, you know, yeah, yeah, ever saying anything or like nothing like that. Sure. But like, you know, my head turning to look back at like, and you kind of are like, you know what, maybe you could just not do that. <laughs> like... <laughs> You know, Absolutely. like you could clock it in your head and go, you, yes, or, yeah. or maybe you can make sure you, if you are going to do that, yeah. that you're aware of what you're doing and you, that you make sure that you, the, you don't make the other, that it's all about you. <laughs> that like, you know, it doesn't become in any way about them. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I'm kind of conflicted about it because I do feel like, uh, I think that beauty is something that all of us can behold. And I think there's nothing wrong with of appreciating course. someone's beauty as long as it's in a way that does not infringe upon the other person's sense of safety or whatever. But I don't, to me, there's nothing wrong with a look back, like a double take. Uh, yeah, yeah, of I don't think that I personally don't think there's anything wrong with it. Uh, it can make a lady feel uh, great. It can make a lady not even notice it. She may not. But uh, I, I like that the acting with intention. I that's what I like. The idea that if you're going to do it, you're at least like, this is what I'm doing. Right. Yeah, I like and that. Yeah. And uh, don't get me wrong. One of the greatest moments in life. I <laughs> There are moments in my world where I believe in. You know, I guess that quantum uh, mechanics view of the world that there's an infinite number of universes and that kind of, you know, every moment, you know, splits off into all those other big moments. I mean, you know, to dumb it down, the the sliding doors, (laughs) you know. That is what it gets dumbed down to. We need a new one of those movies so we have something to reference. Right. Because I feel like the kids these days don't know. They they don't know about sliding doors. They should know. Right. It's a great movie. Maybe they need a reboot. Why are they rebooting sliding doors? They're rebooting. Maybe we should reboot sliding doors. Right. Okay. We'll cut (laughs) this bit out. We'll cut this part out. Yeah. So, um, those moments feel to me like they're the moments where you see the infinite universes. Ooh, interesting. Right? Yeah. And one of those, like, you know, that moment where if you've ever, like, you know, look back and the other person looks back at the same and time you and you, like, lock eyes, but nothing ever, like, you know, then that's it. You know, you're both walking in opposite directions. <laughs> right? Like, what do you do? You know what I mean? But, but those moments, yeah, those, those beautiful, beautiful moments of, like, that could have been yeah. everything. I tend to narrate stuff like that in my head. If, if something weird happens, like, if I forget to pull the gate all the way closed and I'm leaving, 
I'll hear in my head a narrator later going, Emily would later regret Uh, not closing that gate. And I immediately I hear like the Dateline episode where I come home and there's a guy crouched in the corner (laughs) waiting to kill me. I narrate that stuff all the time, usually to my own uh, detriment and my own death or injury more so than a romantic moment. But Well, that not that the perfect example (laughs) of everything we're talking about? I mean, that seems to be at the base of everything that's going on. Men are like, I'd love if someone told me I was hot in the street. Yes, because when someone tells you you're hot in the street there's not a chance that they're going to go down rape an alleyway and rape and murder you <laughs> but i also think what a lovely thing that your thought is that could be the moment versus i have every right to do this this belongs to me there's a different uh, there's just a different mindset that comes right through. because none of us want to get rid of like you know be- people being able to be sexual oh, or have God, their no. own sex like, I mean, this is not the world we want to go towards not at all in fact what we want to do is go to the world where we're neutral on everything <laughs> and then when you want to be those things you can be those things absolutely you know i would agree i would so, agree with that i challenged myself then in a professional sense i went okay i work in an industry and you know like, we're not gonna get bogged down in this i'm sure it's a topic <laughs> that like you've had to talk about a lot but i work in an industry that is predominantly dominantly men like you know entrenched and predominant like you know i can be talking about you know yes or women and like and i can be this guy you know trying to you know change my own behavior yeah but like i work in an industry if there was another industry like i'm the first person to criticize the fact that in the australian parliament they have one woman in their cabinet oh wow out of how many out of like 30 in cabinet or whatever yeah okay the minute the minister for women is a man (laughs) like (laughs) job australia yeah well done that's that's hardcore right and i'm the first person to criticize that but i look around my industry and what i do and you know it's often the same right yeah yeah i was looking at my podcast i'd done six episodes i'd had one woman on i'm doing a podcast about people that i think are interesting and have interesting things to say about the world (laughs) and i've had five men on and one woman you know what i mean like so i was like well that's where you can change so yeah Part of the reason that I was very excited to have you on today, because then I had to think about, well, what I, why do I want to do this podcast? Okay. And I decided that what I wanted the podcast to be, for me to want to do it, was I wanted to talk to people who were connected in, to my life in some way. Like, I'm not going to get people on this podcast that, you know, that the first time I meet them is when they come, you know, yeah, through the door. For the... It's always a little weird. It can, ha- it can work, but it's always a right. little weird. Yeah. Because I don't want this to be an interview show. Yeah. I don't want like you to come on this show and people to find out shit about you that they could have just Googled before they, <laughs> like, that's not what it should be. Okay. Yeah. Right? That makes sense. So yeah. I want to talk about what you think about the world, but in connection with me, and maybe I'll talk about what I think about the world and we can work some things out along the way. We better work some stuff out. We better solve some stuff. And this is why I thought you were the perfect guest. Like I really did like for a bunch of different reasons, but I was like, I was very determined that whenever we could do this, cause we've been doing, you know, trying to do this for a little while, yes, we have. I would relaunch the podcast when we could do this. Cause okay. I was very determined that you would be my first guest because oh, wow. I think that, um, you encompass all the things that I want to do with the podcast. Like, wow. so yes. So don't fuck it up. <laughs> Oh, Let's get it together. Let's get my game hat on. No, okay. So, I, I the first pledge I made was I was going to keep the um, "Who are you?" and okay. I loved what you did with that. Like to me, because I I wanted to keep that because I'm just interested in what people say when someone how says how they define themselves. Yeah, yeah. And it was interesting to hear question. how you did it and in what order you did it. You know, like 
That could, that could have been the format for the podcast. I could have just taken notes and go, okay, we'll just go Let's through each of those. And I'm like, that is such a weird thing. The way that people introduce themselves to me was always very important uh, because I how you present yourself it doesn't always reflect how you feel about yourself. It re- reflects how you want to how you want to present yourself in that moment. Right. But I am. It's like I, when people are just their Twitter bios. It's always like. I, when I ask, like, oh, what do, what do you do? And they're like, well, I just booked this and I booked this and I did this. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you, right. how do you, what do you, do you have yeah. anything else? Have yeah. you rescued any animals lately? Yeah. Like, what do you do with right. your time? Um, but then I find I end up answering the question the same way as a lot of them do. It's hard. Right. We, we define ourselves <clears throat> a lot, certainly, and this is not where you went first, but we define ourselves a lot, I think, by our jobs these days. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think that must be. Uh, I know a lot of people who listen to this or have listened to it previously. Uh, yeah, listen because some of the people I had on have high-powered jobs, and they've been talking about you know how they became successful, mm-hmm. you know, in their jobs and stuff like that. But I always think there's people out there who just go to their job. Yeah. So w- where in your life, like, did you make a choice that you were not just going to go to a job? Because there's a point where you you decide I'm going to do something with my life that right. I'm passionate about. Yeah. That also. Mm-hmm makes you know makes me money as yeah. opposed to someone who's like well no i just go to my job i'm just gonna and it finishes at five and yeah. then i do my life and then i live my life right which is i was just having a conversation with my dad about this recently because my dad worked for the same company for like 40 years retired uh and i was like well how did you think of your career and he was like i wasn't passionate about it he's like i enjoyed the work right but like my life started once i got home i didn't i just made money and felt like a sense of satisfaction but i wasn't i wasn't looking for it to like be my my like heart song or whatever. And he was like, you kids now, you want all your jobs to be your heart song. And I was like, you're right, dad. You're absolutely right. So I, I went straight through school to become a therapist. Um, and I was very, very passionate about, uh, doing therapy and kind of for the first couple of years threw myself into just doing that. Like I Uh had a life and whatever, but I, my whole, everything about me was defined by being a therapist. That's all I, and you notice I still introduce myself as a former therapist because I can't, it's hard for me to think of myself any other way. I'm always going to be that person. But once um, I got really, really burnt out after like six That's, years. I, I like that though. Like <clears throat> yeah. I like I like the idea that you've got that in your ass. And I was like somebody who used to be like some something cool. You can just kind of bring it out at parties now. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, we're going away. I didn't like yeah. forget how to do this shit. Yeah, yeah, I'm just, just not doing it anymore. And go, Look, I don't do this professionally anymore, but I <laughs> feel like this is an emergency. Yeah. Uh, listen, all of my licenses have lapsed. Right. But anyway, um, uh, so yeah, but that's okay. You can do it off the books. <laughs> like I'm I'm serious. Like just at Hollywood parties and. Stuff. Stuff. Yeah. I well, mean, you are going to a few more like Hollywood, like that would be a cool, like there's so many problems in that room. Like having, they always have tarot card readers at these parties. Right. I could just set up a table and be like, come on in 15 minute sessions. And right. then uh, or just walk by and overhear conversations <laughs> and just kind of, I think you need a, you kind of like a small time, like, you know, uh, what are those table to table magic people? Like, what are they yeah, called? Those? What are they called? Uh, I don't know. I don't it's either. Small time. Ma- no, yeah. that's not what it's they called. Don't, they don't think they like those. That fingering. Term. No, that's no. not it. That's definitely not it. <laughs> Regardless, the crowd's not going to do it at party. Right. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's right. not going to happen. But I mean that you, you could be yeah, just kind of person to person, yeah. like be yeah. known for that. Yeah. Right. Mm. Anyway, maybe not. The uh, uh, so, Ethically, I would feel weird about that. Okay. But so once I stopped, once I got really, really burnt out um, and I was just really angry and not satisfied anymore, I stopped doing therapy and started working in comedy. And that's when I had kind of had this like, crisis of like oh what am i am right. who like who am i am mm. i a therapist am i a girl who 
got a master's degree and spent all of her money on her education that now she's not using. I was working as like an entry level person at a comedy club. Is that who I am now? Who the fuck am I? Is it okay if I curse? Yeah. Great. Just making sure. Come uh, <laughs> out. My husband has a joke that there, you could make a podcast out of people going, "Can I curse on this podcast?" Right. Um, yeah. So if I at the end you also ask, uh, "Did I do a good job?" You will have got both of the, <laughs> the key catchphrases. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Are we recording already? Anyway, uh, the so yeah, I didn't know who I couldn't figure out who I was, and it took it took me a good two years of like being a freelance person who was writing, who was trying to produce comedy shows, who didn't to kind of be like, oh, I'm all of these things and none of these things at the same time. Okay, because that's I mean that's an interesting thing to me. We are all yeah. When you're saying what which of these things am I? Yeah, you are all of. Those I'm kind things. of all of them, and I'm kind of none of them because right. none of them are the one thing that I'm doing. I'm also a, I mean I'm a wife and. Uh, like I consider that to be a big part of who right. I am. I'm I I'm a big animal lover. I volunteered in animal shelter. That's a big part of who I am. None of those things are the cool things that people are asking about. Right. You know. Well, you know what you are. You're a, a master chef mystery box. <laughs> That's what you are. I mean, it's all the ingredients, and you know, you kind of take That's which true. ones you, you need to make you know all these various like you know. Today Ooh, I need to make a cake. That's good. So I go to like you know. <laughs> But you can only kind of choose from those ingredients. That's and if you don't have those have. ingredients, you have to either go and pick some more or go shopping. You That's know? a great food. And you have the pantry. You can go to the pantry right. and it's stocked. Yeah. But, but just with basics. Yeah, just the basics, basics that we all have. Yeah. Like you can Everybody has availability to education, <laughs> the food and water. You were able like, to drive. Right. So you got that going for you. <laughs> There's only so many things you can do. Oh, uh, that's good. I mean, this is fantastic. We're only 20 minutes into the brand new podcast and we've worked out uh, the whole meaning of life. So life is like, it's not like a box of chocolates. Not it's like all. a master chef mystery box. Yeah. There yeah you go, you guys. got your ingredients and you got it. And you may make something completely different than the person next right. to you, even given the same ingredients. Yeah. How because interesting also, is that? We also have all different tastes. Yeah. And we should remember that. We should you remember that. You know what? Some people like it medium rare. Some people like it a bit more cooked. Some Absolutely. people, you know, like a bit more salt. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, spices. Some people are like, why are you putting tarragon in everything? Right. I don't know. I can't help it. Some people are like, I don't know what an amuse-bouche is. <laughs> I don't know. Don't confuse me. I only know now because from watching these shows. <laughs> uh, one of the things that you said then, and we've gone all over the place again, I was going to tell you this uh, before, which was I had two aims with the uh, like when I returned with the podcast. Okay. I would keep the original question, which got us onto that conversation. We worked that out. And the other thing was I would ask people what their philosophy was right at the start of the podcast. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I haven't quite nailed that one. And that's why I just was, I was like, I've got to come back to this and then we can talk about everything else. Uh, I asked you if you had a philosophy. Do yes. you have a philosophy? You don't have to have one, by the way, but I, I just I, am interested. I definitely do. I have a life philosophy kind of for myself. And I also have, um, as when I was a therapist, I had a, a, a very strong philosophy that was very easily summed up that uh, kind of bleeds over into my personal life. Mm-hmm. So I guess I have kind of two, but they're, okay, they're similar. I like it. Okay. Do you want, which one do you want to hear first? Well, you, you choose. Okay. I think the first one, well, I'll tell you the, the, the one I had for therapy I found in a magnet uh, on my one of my best friend's uh, refrigerator. It's just like a random magnet she had that said, um, comfort the disturbed, disturb the comfortable. And I was like, Ooh. Jesus Christ, oh. that is exactly, yes. that is everything to me. Right. She's not a therapist. She's like this punk rock, like pierce, piercer in Atlanta. Yeah. But that, it spoke to me so much that I was like, oh, that's exactly what my job is. Right. Like, my only job is to take the people who are too mentally ill to like really, really like live a full, complete life and make them as comfortable as possible so they can live as comfortably as possible. And then if you're very... You're talking about running comedy gigs, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
essentially. <laughs> essentially. Uh, and then for all the, you know, very, very entitled teenagers that I work with, very entitled uh, dads or moms that I work with, my job was to make them uncomfortable to get mm-hmm. them to move in a, in a better direction for themselves. Um, so I really, that became like my all-encompassing thing. Um, and then if you mix those two things up, like I had a couple of occasions where I would confront a very, uh, a person who is in the middle of a psychotic break and ask them to not curse at me. Mm-hmm. That was a mistake. They yep. did not need to be disturbed. They needed to be yep. comforted right. uh, or at least backed away from. Uh, and that got me in trouble a couple of times. Uh, whereas it's not my job to take a child who's like whining because his mom won't let him smoke pot in the house. Right. It's not my job to comfort that kid. It's my job to be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? No, right. you cannot. Some people can smoke pot uh, like recreationally. You're not one of them. No. You flunked out of everything. Um, so that kind of helped me keep my work life straight. And then it kind of just bleeds over into my personal life, even though it's not really my job to disturb the comfortable people in my life. But it's, it is definitely my job. If I see someone who's disturbed in any capacity, it's not my job to push them. It's not my job to kind of, um, do anything other than provide them with comfort because they're going through some shit. And well, <clears throat> and I think that, you know, uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit more when we get to work and stuff like that. But I do think that, you know, if you are creating a mission statement for what you guys have built, you know, with Meltdown and oh, stuff like yeah. that, you know, I mean, that is that you're, you, they, I think in the tech industry, they call it like disruptors, you know, Disrupt, something comes yeah. along and it's a disruptor. I mean, that's what that show has been, you know, kind of almost in the scene here and in this town in some ways. We'll talk about that. And you what kind a lovely of, thing you, to say. But, but, you know, I mean, so again, that's what you're doing. And comedy, when it's done well, is that exact philosophy. Absolutely. It's, I would agree when, with that. You know, uh, we have a lot of debates in our community. And again, it comes to this, you know, these things that I've been thinking about, you know, about our community and about, you know, there's a, I did some gigs in Cleveland with two guys that I thought were fantastic comedians and they both had rape jokes in their set. And so I was coming on on a night of comedy, you know, after two guys who did. And look, neither of the jokes were, I mean, they were both fine jokes yeah. and they were both, mm-hmm. you know what, they weren't like terrible, but they were still both rape jokes, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And neither of them was making enough of a point. That's, or, you yeah, know, like, or, like, or was funny enough. Yeah. yeah. It was just one of those things where I was like, yeah, that's as funny as any of the other jokes <laughs> in your set. So I feel like a rape joke should have a higher standard. <laughs> You know what I mean? The like, highest of all the Right. Standards. I feel like we should, you should be really raising the bar. Oh, raising it so high. It's right. got to be the funniest fucking thing yeah. I've ever you heard about. You should be rape. like one of those pole vaulters yeah. at the Olympics <laughs> who doesn't come in until like the world record. You know, they're so cocky that they're like, that's the jump you should be going yeah, for. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, gonna... don't bother. Right. Because otherwise, it's hack. Yeah. More than being offensive, I'm offended by how hack that is. Right. How it's like you think you're making, you're being so cool and being so edgy. That's not necessarily edgy. But no. it comes back to, and this is the thing that I, I have always said to people, but have never had summed up as perfectly as that magnet. <laughs> I mean, this magnet is not like a... I own it now. I, t- I yeah, got it from her. Yeah. I feel like you can start a religion around that <laughs> magnet, you know, and it would probably work out a lot better. And My, you've already got the merchandise. Everyone just gets a magnet. You don't even have to wear it to work. There won't be any debates in your office place about religious. It's just a magnet. Just a magnet. You Keep just it at stick home. it on something. Yeah, well. Any metallic surface. Any metallic surface will do we don't right. care <laughs> so um uh so what was uh, the uh, the thing i was saying is comedy if you really summed up what we should be doing you know the traditions of comedy coming from the yeah the king's court jester the only person who was allowed to make fun of the king yeah. and the the deal was he was allowed to make fun of the king as long as he was funny yeah right yeah so co- comedy's job is to 
comfort the disturbed. This is you know you have like people listen to podcasts, people who are at their you know desk job now, you know coding for eight hours or whatever, and this yeah. is what they use it for. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you say comforting the disturbed, you're getting people you know, in a community and saying, hey. Yeah, we're all struggling with people who felt alone before and making them realize that they're not alone, that they're part of a group. That that to me is one of the most magical things you can do. And then the second part of it, which (laughs) is disturbing the the comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. That's what comedy should be doing. Yeah, we should be kicking up. Yeah. Like there are plenty of targets to have a go at. Oh, absolutely. Kick up. Yeah. <laughs> you just kick up. Yeah. That's all you need to do. Yeah. Oh, I'd never even thought and about this. It's you know related what? to comedy. When it comes to comedy, if you're going to do a rape joke, you should be doing a rape joke that comforts the disturbed. Yeah. If that is possible. You know, one that. I'm sure it is. You know, yeah. like. There is a couple of examples I'm sure that people could point to and go, yeah, yeah, well, that's making There's the point. There's a po- comedian know. named Ever Maynard who has a, a, a rape joke that I encourage everyone to Google. It's, to me, a perfect rape joke. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, but th- that fails the test of, you know, what in that joke is disturbing the, comfort- the comfortable. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's not call. It's a call to action to do something about this. It's not a, like, you know. Anyway, it's interesting. It's <laughs> yeah. a, that's a very good philosophy. I, I like that. I really like it a lot. I like that very much. So um, how does that uh, apply more broadly in your life, do you think? Apart from, like, I mean, when, you know, talk to me about uh, mm-hmm. your life outside work. We'll get to work because, you know, but sure. I, I want to know about some other things. Talk to me about what your life is like when you're not working. Um, my life is, uh, I well, I, I will say, okay, so my other... <laughs> The that one the comfort the disturbed disturb the comfortable is is definitely more of uh-huh. like a, a kind of how I think about mental health and how I think about other uh-huh. people's emotional health. The one that I use for my own day to day life, my second one is um, act with intention. That is it. Act with intention. It's one that I've recently kind of figured out. Is it? And the point of it is, it's okay if you're doing the wrong thing. It's okay if you're fucking up. It's okay. Just know yourself enough to know what you're doing, right. even if you know you're doing the wrong thing. Uh, because I feel like I, for a long time, was very kind of flighty is not the right term, but very, I was a very emotionally overwhelmed human being. Like I would, uh, I didn't, I, things would just happen to me. And I was like, well, what is that happening? It's everything's like a hurricane. And I was uh-huh. like, oh no, I'm the hurricane. Right. It's me. It's not the rest of the world. And it's okay to be a hurricane, but you need to like, let's not act like the world is constantly doing weird shit to you. Right. You're the one doing the weird shit. Uh, and just becoming more aware of myself, both physically and emotionally, mentally. Like, oh, if I'm, I'm lashing out at my boyfriend, it's not actually about him. It's about this thing that made me mad like an hour ago. He doesn't really deserve that. So like figure out where your anger is coming from and where to push it. So that just if you're acting, you know what's behind your actions. Right. You know what's going on in your head and in your heart when you're doing something, even if it's the wrong thing. That yep. doesn't mean you do the right thing all the time. In fact, it kind of makes it cooler to do the wrong thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that and now, especially now in my new career and kind of in my life as a, as a grown up person, I think acting with intention is, is the thing that encompasses everything for me. That's like my string theory. That's my unifying everything theory. Um, and that's what that's how I that's how I try to work it. It's very interesting to me because it's something that particularly this year, this <clears> is the first year um, since I was 25 that I was able to do stand up 
alone all year you know like i it, it, previous i kind of got, got my first radio job when i was 25 and since mm-hmm. then i've had like radio and tv commitments every year yes so every year's been combining stand up with something else something else so yeah. there's been a structure to my year that oh, is inherent in like you know four months making a tv show and you have to be there on wednesday and you mm-hmm. have to be the editor on friday like you know like there's structure inherent in that yeah whereas this year I've just been, you know, a gypsy with a suitcase, like doing, you know, gigs all over the world, you know, six different countries, 16 different American cities. Like, Jesus. But also, like, it's hard for me to clock off at five because oh, I, 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 know. Like, I don't know when, like, my weekend is. <laughs> like, I don't know when I'm meant to, like, relax. How am when I meant to relax? When are you allowed to relax? To relax? When, when yeah. am I allowed to relax? Yeah. Exactly. It's a really good, yeah. you know, way to put it. And the only thing that I could come to was that idea of whatever I'm doing, like, act with intention Mm -hmm. if i'm going to decide you know what you need you've been like you've had 20 nights in a row on it's halloween and i know you've been invited to a bunch (laughs) of different things but it's your one night off for the the, like i yeah i had gigs the next 20 nights or whatever i'm like you know what it's okay just order a pizza and you're gonna stay in tonight and you're gonna watch basketball and this is but but you're not gonna like look at your computer you're not like i've decided to do this yes like don't feel guilty when you're reading your book or going to the yes. movies or whatever. Go, yes. Make the decision. And then live and with then it. And then just live with it. Be okay with right. it. Be, Be okay, okay with, with it, it. Because you you have to trust yourself enough that you knew enough when you made the decision. Right. You knew that even though there were a ton of parties, that sure, you probably would have had a fun time. Right. This was what you needed. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that is a real tough one. And it is a constant conversation in our house right. uh, about making decisions and then being like, no, we decided this. So this is what we're doing. Um, it's tough. It can be very hard. Well, life, you know, every decision has, you know, I, I, di- I only did year 11 economics at school, so I don't have a great, great, great grasp of it. But uh, the one concept that stuck with me was the idea of opportunity cost. Oh, you yes, You know, that absolutely. when you make a decision, mm-hmm. you know, this probably like means that you're ruling out a bunch of other cool things. Absolutely, it does. And the more opportunity you have, the more that happens. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the interesting things is you are constantly making kind of guesses or decisions based on, well, if I do this, I can't do that. Yeah. And, and that- you have to trust that you've got the wherewithal to make that decision. But it's also horrible that now there's so many more choices for literally everything. Mm-hmm. Every menu you look at has like 57 items on it. Right. Menus used to just have like six items. And there have been studies that show that we are more stressed out yeah. when like the looking at The paralysis of choice. Out. Yeah. Exactly. When you like see there's like, oh, there's nine kinds of mayonnaise. What yeah. the fuck? I'm just, I, let me just get mayonnaise. I don't even, yeah. And a lot of that is actually uh, marketers trying to manipulate our brain because in your supermarkets, in your grocery stores, what they're looking for is like shelf space. Yes. If you've ever wondered why like Colgate, oh, I don't know if you have Colgate, but what we toothpaste do. you do. Yeah. So it has like, you know, 15 different varieties yeah. when they have one that's called Total. Yeah. Like surely you'd be like, well, we've got one that's Total. Like why do you why need do we, any of these? Yeah. <laughs> it's because of shelf space. Yeah. They want when you go there to see like, just you know, two wall. rows of like Colgate. Yeah. So that you just buy one of the Colgate ones. Yeah. So they keep coming up with these weird new variations. It's so funny. To trap our minds. So it very much is that thing. So and yeah, creepy. definitely uh, if I go to a beer restaurant oh like, my God. and there's like 60 like beers or whatever, I always choose something that I've had before. Whereas <laughs> if I go to like a restaurant where there's six like local beers, exactly. I would choose one of the local beers and try it. Isn't that cr- It's so sad. It's It happens. Organizational, organizational psychology, that study of uh, – of how like how to market things to people uh-huh. to me it's just it's very fascinating but also very evil it's I so agree <laughs> I mean it, it I, well it's it's evil in that I mean it's no more evil no or more less evil. evil than you know the market the free market system is inherently yes. right. 
But the thing that I would say about it is that it is unexamined. <laughs> Do you mean? I would agree with that. That's, you, you, there is more money spent on marketing per year than there is in America than there is on Hollywood movies, yeah. right? Okay. It's terrifying. Yet how many blogs, TV shows, radio shows are there reviewing movies, telling you like what a movie is doing, mm-hmm. what, how it's manipulating, what it's blah, blah, blah. How many blogs, TV shows and whatever are there about advertising? I can think of one blog, maybe. Right. Yeah, that's it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It is a con that's mm-hmm. being perpetrated on us every single day and we do not notice it. And now it's killing us. If you look at that like debate that people I mean, the current like awareness of like sugar and how addicted America is. Oh in God! Particular Did you sugar. see the John Oliver thing by any yeah, chance? Stunning, oh, so amazing. They don't want to use tablespoons to right. measure because, or teaspoons, whatever, because people are aware of what a teaspoon is. Yes, that's amazing. The whole time, like I've been, re- I read this book called Salt, Sugar, Fat. I think it was called, and you know the way that they have you know hooked. I mean, you know, a lot of the big tobacco companies are behind, you know, like the big, you know, behind big sugar, if you yeah, will. Yeah. And the way that they've just hooked us on this thing. It's but tremendous. the advertisers are complicit in it. Yeah. Because it's, it's not just that the drug is addictive, but it's the fact that we've been sold these lies <laughs> constantly. You know, that children are being sold like essentially 90% sugar cereal. Constantly. Like I mean, as a world. Juices are not juices at all. They're just like sugar water with red food coloring. We're the first generation, well, this next generation is is the first generation that won't live as long as their parents. Good God, that is horrifying. High five humanity. No way, is that right? Oh God, that's horrifying. Because we're eating ourselves to death. Yeah. You know, anyway. So the paralysis of choice is a very interesting topic to me. I want to ask you this question. How do you make decisions when you are in that situation? Do you have a decision-making process? Are you a person who trust your gut. Um, people ask me a lot. I'll put this in context for you. Mm-hmm. People ask me a lot about, you know, my plans. What are you going to do next? Blah, blah, blah. And I say this with great honesty. I've never really known. I've never really had a plan. Yeah. I've never really <laughs> had a plan. <laughs> I kind of just stumble around and try to do things that I think are fun. Yeah. For the very same reason I had to find a reason to do this again. <laughs> I wanted to like, I just want to do something that I dig. Yeah. And hopefully some people will also enjoy it's it. It's the best but, way to do it. Yeah. But, you know, it's a that's a... That means that you like, how do I make decisions? Like, am I making stupid? Like, sometimes when I make decisions, I'm like, am I an idiot? Yeah. Like, you I know, I've turned down like over the years, like money that oh, I could not have dreamed of. Yeah. Like without even like, without even like thinking about, t- like, you know, like, no, yeah. like, you know, like, no. Nah. So crazy. And then there's points in my life where I'm like, am I a fucking idiot? <laughs> Should I be like Kanye? Should I have like a, like a fur coat or something? should like, definitely get a fur coat. Now, that's separate from everything. You should definitely get a fur should coat. Should this house be made of gold? What am I doing? <laughs> Why am I doing a podcast? <laughs> um, but so I'm interested in how people make their decisions. How do, how do you make your decisions? I mostly go, off, uh, go on gut and then um, – like if it's a, a thing at a restaurant, I go on gut and then I ask, I usually ask a wait staff, uh, what do you think? Uh-huh. Uh, for some reason, thinking that they will have a better idea of what I'm interested in than me. Uh, that's a weird thing that I have where I'm like, I, I'm not, I can't possibly make this decision for myself, can I? Of which right. special to get. I should definitely leave it up to someone else. So I have a little bit of Have you ever that. been a waiter in a well, white never, stuff? Never, never, never. I'd be interested to know how much of the, the food they even eat. Because I've, I've never worked in that job, so I don't know. Maybe don't, you get to eat everything. I mean, you yeah, probably get a meal allowance. Probably. But I know in restaurants and stuff, like the staff just eat, eat like, you know, they cook one meal beforehand. Yeah, that's it's true. not like they're like, it is enough the menu. We've done hey, everything, yeah. Dave, what do you want? Well, I'm going to have three course tickets. 
degustation <laughs> just with the wine pairing. I do know there are some uh, some of the nicer restaurants I've been to in LA. The waitstaff has told me that like, oh, we get a sampling of everything at the beginning of the shift just to be like, this is what this tastes like. I this think evening. that in a really nice place, I imagine that's probably the case because you need always. to be able to. You have to speak to it. Right. Yeah. Um, I have a thing. The only thing I'm commitment phobic, I am. I will throw myself headlong into ro- romantic relationships. I will move somewhere without even thinking twice. I am very, very commitment phobic about jobs. Very commitment. Okay. Like I'm terrified of it. So I also, I've turned down a ton of jobs. Uh, really, really amazing jobs that would have done great things for me and been just out of a sense of like, I don't know if this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. And I get very concerned about going too far down one path to be able to go back and do something and be considered something else. Because now that I've had this thing of I was a therapist for years and now I'm just not. I'm very scared of getting pigeonholed in the same way of like, well, she just books stuff. That's what she does. She books comedy. That's not, I, she just writes. No, I do other stuff too. I want to be able to do it all. And so I'm too, I'm, I'm very scared these days of, of doing too many jobs in one area that people are like, well, that's just what she does. Um, so I get panicky about that stuff. I want to ask you though, because I think one thing that you have done, which is very, yeah, we, is of this modern age. And it's something that I certainly enjoy. I'm a person who gets bored easily. I yeah. think one of my defining qualities is that I am easily bored. <laughs> like as much as I love like a David Letterman, but when I see someone who's done that show, I'm like do do, do going that? in and doing the same show I cannot... every night. Oh. I would last, like I would be halfway through a Lindsay Lohan interview like week four like, and I would here. get out a gun and just shoot myself in the face on national TV. Ratings would be so high. Oh, don't get me wrong. That clip will play forever. Oh, forever. And like Lindsay reacting. Oh, no. And right. there's blood all over her face. Oh, God. Just thinking about it. Um, right. But yeah, yeah. So, but I, but you also have done something that terrifies people and you've done it twice. Um, I did it once in my life. I did a journalism degree oh, and cool. worked in journalism and it had gone quite well. And then, yeah, left that to do comedy. Yes. But I, to be honest, I think that was always my plan. I think my plan was always just prove that you can do something, have a degree in your pocket and then go and do the thing you want to do. Okay, that's cool. But even then, you've invested three years of your life and at 21, three years of your life is a much bigger percentage of <laughs> huge, your life. Huge, absolutely you know? huge, yeah. And then you're like, am I really just like – Nicholas Cage in a fucking Hollywood film, just gonna fucking walk away just from walk an explosion the fuck away. Yeah. and just be like, never look back. Put on my done. shades. Yeah. yeah, I look back many times. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I look back the whole time. But you've done, but you've done that twice, really, because you've, you've, you've now you've really kind of you know you've changed lives and careers and a couple different a, times. Yeah, yeah, it's a couple of different times, and yeah. every time you must think, well, I did all this work and I have all this. Yeah. So how did you make those decisions? Um, I think those were like, I knew I couldn't, the discomfort, like the, the, the dissatisfaction I was feeling to me weighed heavier on me than how scary it would be to start over. Okay. And to me, I'm always like, uh, I'm more interested in going towards things that scare me than I am in staying in something that's like unsatisfying, but like livable. Like, I'm just, I'm not interested in living in a way where I'm like, uh, oh, I'll just keep my head down and see if I can get through this. Like, no, this is your life. You can't just right. keep your head down. What are you fucking doing? Because I've, I've also had that experience where I um, have yeah, had that in relationships. I've had that in jobs where I'm like, well, I'll just keep my head down, see if I can get through this. Like, okay, no, you got to break up with this person. <laughs> this is not a good way to be. So I think I make the decision of weighing my fear uh, versus how dissatisfied I am. And if my dissatisfaction is bigger than my fear, I have to go for it. There's no other way to do it. It's also true that any degree that you get, it's 
it's not about the actual what the degree is in. It's in that like you accomplished this thing, you got this degree that and I think that's all college educations are anyway, really, ultimately. How much did you learn fact wise? I don't not that much, but what you do learn is you learn how to like manage your own time. You learn right. how to manage your schedule. You learn how to deal with people you don't give a shit about. You learn how to turn in papers on a deadline. Like you get all these skills out of getting an education. That's almost what they should call it these days. <laughs> like they really should just like, this is like the class where we're teaching you how to get on with people you don't like. And then it's just a bunch of assholes. So in the room what's together. the point of this exercise? It's literally, we're just trying to teach <laughs> you how, yeah. like you're going to work with people you don't like in the real world. You're going to have to learn how to deal with it. This is how we give you practice. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to learn yeah. how to deal with the budget. You're going to have to learn that you're going to be sober. On we're teaching you about getting up before midday. Exactly. That's all it's it like, is. That's all it fucking right. is. So like the master's degree that I got was so hard for me to get. And I worked, I was had like 14 hour days almost every day because I'd have to go from class to internship to then my actual job because I didn't have any money. Yep. Um, and it was really, really tough. But getting through it was the experience I got. Ultimately, I learned a lot in those classes because you do learn very specialized skills. Uh, but Ultimately, I learned how to be organized and how to do a bunch of shit at once, which that's the skill that I'm using now. I have to be super organized. I have to be able to do like 15 things at once. That's what my education got me. So it's not that scary because you do take all that shit and you take it with you. You're not leaving it behind. It goes with you wherever you want to go. So it, that's how I kind of got over switching stuff over and over again because everything I'm doing, there's got to be at least one or two things in there that I can take to the next thing I'm doing. Always. There always is. So it doesn't freak me out that much anymore. I uh, am interested to talk about, you, you touched on uh, how you apply that to relationship sense. And, yes. Uh, as, I don't want to talk about anything you're not comfortable talking about, by the way. I have no problem talking um, about this I'd like to say that anyway. That's very nice of you. If nothing else. Um, <laughs> Because you were you, you're married now. Were yes. you married before? Yeah, I was married as before. Well. This is my so second So again, marriage. that's the... You know, I mean, I've got a, I mean, it's pretty common these days. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I have a bunch of friends who are remarried, you yeah, know, yeah. and, but I do think that you're probably of an age and a generation that it still is like, it's one a of little those, weird. Yeah. I will say when I, when I got divorced at age 26, I was 26 when I got divorced. So right. I was really young when I got married. Uh, was it? Yeah, it was 26. I, it was weird for me to go and introduce myself to guys and be like, all right, let me get this out of the way. I'm like, right. I'm 26 and I've already right. been married once. And that's why I have a full set of silverware and right. why you have, you know, you're a 26 year old and you have nothing. Yeah. And I have like all of these wedding registry gifts that right. I, I left my marriage with. <laughs> that's a big part of my life was like having a full set of silverware and guys being like, oh, I only have a bike. Yeah. Can you meet me at the restaurant? <laughs> yeah. You're going to be like, hey, I'm going to have to tell you that I was married before, before you get to my apartment and there's cutlery you don't understand. <laughs> I had a butter dish. Who has a fucking right. butter dish when they're in their 20s? Yeah. Uh, but I did. I don't anymore. I, I, it broke at some point and I was like, why would I need to replace that? Uh, yeah. So it, it, <laughs> and it was such a great lesson for me to like, it, I needed a, and I hate to call it a starter marriage, but I needed, I did need that of like, oh shit, you need to like really figure out what you actually want and uh -huh. figure out what marriages are supposed to be. Um, because I don't think I could have been successful in my second marriage without the first one. I, I, I gotta be honest with you. Like the things that I've learned, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm single and I'm, I'm 40 and I'll, but I was in a very long term relationship. Yeah. Very long. -term. And now what I know, what I know now 
like I would love to have a, like a second. I'm not saying like necessarily. No, yet, I but get what like, you're saying. Yeah. But like I'd like to be like, oh, well, you. Know, I read this thing the other day. It was just like somebody was writing a piece, but you know, like when sometimes a line, uh-huh. you know, yeah. stays with you. And they were talking about the idea of why you should always forgive your exes, and they said because they were making it up too. And yeah. you're like, oh yeah, oh, like none I, of us know I what we were knew doing. nothing, absolutely nothing, and they knew nothing. And together, no wonder we are. And then together, <laughs> <laughs> we figured nothing out. Yeah. But later, maybe we kind right. of figure things out on our own. Yeah, and yeah. I, 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 but I understand that idea of almost like it'd be almost worth like making everyone have a, like a compulsory like you know practice marriage at college, <laughs> and like if it works out, you can keep being married. Beautiful, but like, great. At, while you're at college, yeah, like you have like O week, you have orientation week, yeah, and then you find someone to marry. And like you work out and then like at the end of the three years, oh, when you yeah. finish the degree, it's all like, that was just your practice. <laughs> don't worry, guys. You get to start over. None of that was real. Right. It's totally fine. And you don't have to return any of the presents you got. <laughs> right. Just keep yeah. going you, into the world. You all have a butter dish. Split Happy up, graduation. Yeah. Split up your dishes and your cats and get out of here. Because <laughs> that's basically what we did. <laughs> <laughs> and a lovely guy. I could not have had right. a more amicable divorce. Lovely good dude. We just were not, we're not meant for each other. So it's totally fine. And I think a lot of people have much messier situations. Um, that's why I also think it's good to wait a little bit before you have kids when you get uh-huh. married, because Jesus Christ, that makes it, that's another layer of now this person is in your life forever. Right. My ex-husband, wonderful though he may be, I talk to him maybe once a year because yeah. I don't have a need to. But once you have a kid with someone, then it's like, oh, yeah. they're basically in your life forever. Forever. And uh, you just wait a little bit. That's right. all I'm saying. <laughs> you say, wait a little bit. You don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> right. Basically, you're saying, look, we've got to use contraceptive because I like you a lot right now. You're so fantastic. But, but let's see if this is going to stick. I'm just not sure that I want to see you every second weekend for the rest of my oh, life. Oh, God. Can you imagine? <laughs> let's wait until the shit hits the fan with something else and see right. how we handle that. And yeah. then we'll go on from there. Yeah. Look, I think your career is going really well, but I'm not sure that 40 years from now, I'm not going to be complaining about checks. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I just I don't want to have to garnish your wages. (laughs) So let's maybe keep using condoms. (laughs) So how long, uh, and this is interesting to me, and Hmm. um, how long do you, when you're in a situation like that, because I can imagine, and and I've been in this circumstance, I'm sure there's probably not one person listening to this who hasn't been in this circumstance, where you are like, no, is this a natural part of being in a relationship? You know, like I'm not perfect, they're not perfect. Right. You know, how do I kind of balance, you know, all these things, you know, and know – like, was that a long process for you or did you just like, yeah, you kind of were like, okay, I, I kind of know now that this is just not right. Uh, with the first one? Yeah, with the first one. Well, yeah, I'm uh, hoping, think... not, hoping not with the second one. No, not at yeah. all. <laughs> when did you realize it wasn't working out? Uh, honey, I this have something to tell you. It's a great podcast. <laughs> I told you you'd be the perfect guest. This is my Todd Glass moment. Oh, yeah, there this you go. This is going to be huge. Sorry, Marin. <laughs> The the first marriage, I uh, definitely was. uh, We were just very, very young. We we also had. uh, I we had a best friend who is still my best friend, who kind of was our third in our relationship. Not in any like sexual manner, but in the she just shared our life. Like she was with us literally all the time, Um, and then he and I moved to another city where it was just the two of us. We had no outside friends. We had no family there. And we kind of realized that we had been using a lot of buffers Uh between us. Yes. Like we, we just had not, 
really been connecting because we'd been growing and we'd been growing in different directions. And if you stay with each other and keep working that shit out together, great. But we were kind of moving apart. Like you could just, we had different sets of friends. We had different everything. Um, And we realized like, oh, the people that we had back in our hometown were like kind of keeping us, uh, making us a family together. All of us were. Uh Uh, But and maybe that works for some people, but I was like, oh, I'd like to be with someone that can kind of satisfy more than that. I don't need extra people to kind of keep me happy, if that makes any sense. And I'm trying to be, you know, sensitive to him. Oh, again, yeah, no, of course. Guy, but I think that's, but I, it's just a very interesting, even that idea of like, you can surround your life with so many things and friends and yeah. like, you know, nobody ever wants to see that half an hour episode where it's just Monica and Chandler oh, really annoying each other. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, so boring. And so, yeah, you should definitely have like friends in your life, but if they're the ones propping you up and keeping right. you emotionally invested, yeah. um, that's not a great sign. That's not a, it, it, and it wasn't a great sign for us when they all went away. Now, if we'd stayed in that town with all of our By friends By the way, there, a much better friends analogy if I'd really been on my game and now that I would have been like you know you were like the cast of friends but then when you were alone you were like Joey that's what I should oh, yeah, have yeah, said just that was a much better yeah just I thought the Monica and Taylor yeah. didn't work no 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 I think the Joey because he had the terrible spin-off I feel like it works oh, on a broader no, you're right, you're you know right, what I mean like it's got a broader sort of let's cut all let's this out and just, this joke, and like, just dub it back in <laughs> oh what a great analogy that's really great <laughs> That's perfect because the spinoff show, yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So good at these things with your friend's analogies. Uh, Yes. So it was just a very gradual like, oh, I'm not super satisfied with this relationship. And uh, what do we do about it? Okay. Yeah. So fast forward. Yes. You you finish a marriage. Mm -hmm. Finish. I beat it. (laughs) (laughs) You're done. You put your initials in. I did it. I I did all the things I needed to do. Yes. Uh, how long before you start dating again? I took I took a little bit of a break, uh, and then when I did start dating again, it was just purely guys. I was just hooking up with guys and not at all trying to date them because mm-hmm. I wanted to go through that experience of like, oh, this is casual as shit, right? Because uh, I had not experienced a lot of that, uh, and so I intentionally went out for that, and then I went through another phase of like, I'm not dating anyone whatsoever, and that is uh, that is when I met uh, my husband. <laughs> And I was even, I was in therapy and I was like, listen, I know I've said I'm not dating anyone, but uh, I really like this guy. Should I? And she was like, you're just going to do it anyway. Just right. don't ask my permission. Just go. Uh-huh. Um, and I act just. Act with intention. Act, I did. Exactly. Wasn't sure if it was the right move, but I decided to go for it and then kept him agonizingly aware of like the fact that I was trying to be cool and like play it smart and not, you know, uh, make the same mistakes I made before. Um, and he eventually was like, Hey, you know, I'm a different person than your ex-husband. Right. And I was like, Oh, good point. I sometimes forget. It's nice that people have the confidence to remind you of that though. Oh yeah. yeah. I think one of the biggest mistakes that I made, like, you know, first time around that, like I would address is like sometimes in a relationship, like, and I I may have even heard you talk about this. I think on a fabulous podcast called the crab face, but somebody was talking about the idea that like you guys are in this, like together now. Yeah. Like it's you guys. Yeah. It's kind of you guys against the world it's now. It's gotta be. And so sometimes when shit's going wrong, you or like, you know, when like that sort of shit's happening, you've got to be brave enough like to call it and go, hey, I'm not that guy. Stop like, you know. Don't treat me like don't this. Don't treat me like not, that. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. if you don't, you just get tra- treated like that. Yeah. You've got to have a responsibility as well. Absolutely. But I think people find that. And well, I know that I 
found that very confronting and hard to do. To oh, very like, hard to do. It's also comfortable to be the victim in that situation sometimes. Right. Even though it's not a good feeling, it's comfortable in its misery a little bit. You're like, I know I'm I know this is how I get treated and this right. sucks and but it's harder and then you're just out again weighing I think that, it's like, an easy way for you to ignore the shit you're doing wrong as well. Absolutely. Very, you know, very like, true. Very, you know, very like, true. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I I, I called it the ghost of boyfriend's past. Uh <laughs> That I would, I, I was had to be very cautious not to treat Kumail like, not responding to him as if he was my ex right. or as if he was anybody's ex or any ex that I've ever had. Like, you've got your own reasons for doing things. I, just because you're doing a thing that looks similar to something someone else did, I can't be like, oh, well, when you do this, I know it means this and that. No, it doesn't. No. You have no idea. That's someone else. Make sure you're dating the person in front of you. That's right. always, <laughs> people are constantly <laughs> dating someone else other than the person that's right in front of them. Uh, <laughs> and it's fucked up. It's not good. Like, may, don't talk them up and make them into something that they're not. Don't act like they're your ex or someone else you'd rather be dating. You're with the person you're with. And if you don't want to fucking be with that human being, get the fuck out of there. You're not going to change them. They're not going to magically become anyone else. Get out of there. If you're not happy, get out of there. I had somebody uh, a while ago, but uh, (laughs) who just got really upset, like about a message that I had sent them. And it clearly wasn't about me. Like they were just like, you know, and and like, I was like, and because I couldn't even remember the message. She was like, but what did you mean by this? And like, blah, blah, blah. Jeez, so and upsetting. I said, yeah. could you just read me back the message? And she goes, yes. She goes, and the message said, that's great. I'll see you on Thursday. And I was like, what? What part of like, clearly my response was, that's great. I will see you on Thursday. Like, <laughs> like that's a positive message. Yeah. The thing that you had obviously said, I was like, that's what did great. What that you were doing? I, it was not about Never, me. Okay, it was, enough, you know, yeah. It was one of those moments where you are hyper aware from the start, this has nothing to do with me. Yeah. And what a bummer too. Like that's not your job. Your job is not to be like a placeholder for some other human that was weird. Right. But yeah. you also then have to be aware that when you're doing that to other people. Oh, right. yeah. And that's tough too. And and all that being said, I've definitely uh, stayed with someone that I knew was not, I was. I definitely dated someone that was not the person in front of me. I definitely had like, oh, one day when he gets his shit together, he'll be good to me. I've done all the things that I'm telling people to not do. Um, uh, in the first year, in the first year I was doing my uh, television show back home, I was getting unnecessarily angry. I'm not a very angry person. Mm-hmm. People who know me know that, but I was getting unnecessarily angry at some people that, um, you know, kind of deserved it, but didn't deserve what they were getting. Do you sure. know what I mean? Like, you know, the force I, of it. Yeah. Right. The, um, yeah. And <clears throat> I was. I was seeing a therapist at the time and I was like, you know, I really, these were people that I admired, people I'd always wanted to work with. And then I felt that were really treating me unfairly. And she said to me, she's, she was like, she said two things to me, which were really remarkable, like, you know, things. The first one was, she goes, why don't you just pretend that you like them? Because like it was making it uncomfortable at work. Oh, that's you know? interesting. Okay. She so goes, so you know, you don't have to like them, but I, all this shit that you're complaining about, if you just pretend you like them when you're in the office, she goes, you've still got the upper hand. You know, you know, you know that you don't like them. You know that you just pretend that's you really don't like fun. them, I right? Like that. That's a good tip. And I was like, that's a good tip because that's a practical bit of advice. Absolutely. Like you know, you're not giving me like you know, you know, we can solve the other shit in time. Yeah. But I'm not winning anything by being an asshole for to you. Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, for Tuesday and <laughs> yes. then Wednesday and Thursday right. and Friday. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the, the other thing that she said, though, she was like, what are you really angry about? And, oh. and she was like, what are you, are you, are you really this angry at them? Mm-hmm. And I was, and I, I wasn't, I was angry at myself because I was doing uh, four months of a TV show which meant that four months that I couldn't do stand-up comedy because they were asking me not to do stand-up comedy. And I was angry that I had said yes to this thing. Ooh, and that's I was ang- So I was angry about that. So I'm loading on all the other issues like on top of this because I'm resenting these people for making me do this thing. And they're Even like, though you did it. And they yourself. can't understand. Yeah. yeah. And, and, which I had done myself. Absolutely. And it was only like to get back to your act, act with intention like idea, which yeah. I think is really relevant to this conversation. And by the way, you are really stroking that. I rug really, I cannot time. stop. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a rug that's here on the table, and it's I was, so I was great. telling Emily beforehand that I, I put it down for sound originally, but then I like uh, I changed it, and people complained. They're it's like, the greatest thing. I can't. I'm like rug. writing my name in it. Okay, I'm so sorry. <clears throat> no, no, no. It's fine. It's good. I'm glad people enjoy the rug. <laughs> it's a great rug. It's very furry. <laughs> if we're ever going to do merch for the podcast. <laughs> It might be one of these rugs. People can have one in their own home and they can stroke it along oh, to the podcast. Listening? That's a great idea. Yeah, right? Just give advice now. Make an M. Make yeah. an M out of it. <laughs> okay, stop. Don't make the M anymore. Um, um, yes. So uh, what was I saying before? Being I able to source myself? your anger, knowing where your anger oh, is coming from. Very yeah. important. Uh, yeah, so... And also being aware that I had put myself in this situation. Sure. And I, it's, yeah. I had made that choice. Mm-hmm. So if you've made that choice, stop beating up other people yeah. for a choice that you made yeah. with you knowing the choice that you were making. I now do that television show every year and I still, of course, occasionally get <laughs> shitty because I'm not doing what I want to be doing. Sure. But then I'm like able to process in my head, oh, you're not angry at this person. Yeah. <laughs> This Don't be angry your, at this person. This is your thing. Yeah. This is your thing. Being able to source your anger. When I see people that are like, when you like just get super angry at a stranger over like nothing, I'm like, oh, you've got some shit going on. And right. this person just happened to be here to take it right now. But it's not, you're yeah. not really that angry that this person walked when it was a don't walk signal. Like you're not that angry about it. There's something else going on. And if you're consistently getting angry at strangers, that's a great sign to take a look inside. Always a great sign that there's something going on with you that you need to do something about. I always um, think about that with traffic. Is yeah. If you're angry that people are bad, driving badly in traffic or that traffic is bad, then there's something wrong with the way that you're viewing the world. Because <laughs> That's what traffic is supposed to be. Yeah. everybody. Yeah. Traffic is bad. Traffic's fucking people terrible. People are terrible drivers. Yep. When was the last time you went out driving and someone didn't do something bad? Yep. So then why? Like if I walked down to my house every day and someone, my next door neighbor punched me in the face, right, I would, I'd be an idiot if I like got, went out there at that same door and then was like, oh, you I'm so angry you punched me. Actually, I could still be angry you punched me in the face. That's a bad example. <laughs> I, <laughs> it kind of works. But, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, oh, and I had another door. Okay, so I've got the other door, right? <laughs> or if I know that if I leave, uh, I've, I've worked on there this. There we go. We'll edit this out. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to edit any of this no, out. No, please don't. Um, if I uh, get into traffic, um, like, so traffic is the guy punching me in the face. That's, <laughs> that's what we're working on, right? Okay. I know if I leave 10 minutes early, I miss the guy. Oh, there we go. Now we got it. Right? Now we got it. Yeah. But I keep leaving at the same time every day. You're not And then changing. get upset yes. that like, you know, that something goes wrong and I'm late to my thing. That's the you definition of insanity. That's my fault. That is your fault. Like it's going earlier to things. Yeah. 
you'd be amazed if you just allow a little bit of time in your life. So great. How happier you will be. Mm-hmm. Like, because the moments you are at your most irrational is when you're like, in a rush. when somebody is not walking the right way on a footpath. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's irrational anger. It's crazy. They're just the person, they don't know that you're in a rush. They have no idea. They're, what's and going they're on not them. walking slow. No. You're walking fast because you need you're to be. Because you're fucking late. Right. And why are you late? Because you left way too. Yeah. yeah. That's a big, uh, that we, we talk about that a lot in our house too, because Kumail it tends to be a late person, whereas I tend to be incredibly on time mm-hmm. and or early. And so we have that discussion a lot he's very comfortable with being late right i'm just not as that's interesting yeah it's interesting that he's i mean i'll get him on another time and i can ask him about his opinions i want to say it's cultural because i do feel like his family like everybody in his family's late everybody and i don't know that many pakistani people but i do there is a sense of like oh you just kind of come whenever like it's it's time is less of like a thing so i'm going to say it's cultural but also uh, he's just fucking late (laughs) right yeah it might be just him Uh, he's also just fucking late yeah (laughs) Could be both. Could be both. Uh, okay, so let's uh, let's talk about work because I mean, there's yes. a million things that I would love to talk to you about, but we're not going to get to all of them. Well, talk to me about what you're doing now. I want to like I want you to say what oh, okay. you've been doing since you. Let's go post, uh, you know, therapy. Okay. Uh, what, what happens next, and, uh, and how do you find yourself where you are now? I after therapy, I, uh, after being a therapist, my last therapy job was in New York, and then uh, after that, I got a job at comics which was a now closed comedy club as Uh a very entry-level pr person like so i would write the press releases for the comedians that were coming and uh i started running producing a show in new york uh hosted by my friend pete holmes and okay uh, so that 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 there is interesting to me already like you 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 think i can produce a show yeah i don't he was like i need somebody who's organized uh to keep track of comedians and who knows the comedians (laughs) and i was like i do both of those things I probably could do this. Yeah. Um, I knew a lot of comedians because of Kumail and I'd been just around. They knew me. Um, and so it seemed like a pretty, I was like, I can probably see, I can try this. We'll see what happens. And it worked out pretty well. Um, it worked out pretty well, I would say. And so I started doing that. And at the same time, I started submitting uh, pitches to like women's websites to write for them. Uh-huh. And so I, then I got a gig, a regular gig at one of those websites and started writing either stuff that I pitched or stuff that they pitched to me like like three or four days a week, I would say. And so that was what I did right after I stopped working as a therapist. And then I did that for a while. And then... Okay, but again, that's interesting to me. Like that somebody (laughs) who's like been a therapist, like because there'd be a lot of people out there going, I want to do this or I want to do that. And they're like, how do I start? Yeah. And you've just kind of rocked into somewhere and just gone, okay, I'm going to be a producer and I'm going to be a writer. Well, I never I never even said any of that stuff. <laughs> I just was like doing the thing and then I was like, oh, it turns out I'm doing this. Right. Like that's what – you don't have to like like take a wand and like dane yourself like, oh, writer. Uh, but I – You didn't have a chair that had your name I on no it? Or, chair. No chair. I do now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have a chair with my name on it now. Uh, it's a, it was a joke chair made for me. It does a long story. Um, but I did – I'd already been writing. I loved – I've been – I love writing forever – so that was already something I was doing kind of here and there. I'd had like one or two things in magazines every once in a while, but it would just be like I send it off as like a shot in the dark and it happened to work out. So I just literally cold pitched myself to like 
nine websites and two of them took the bait. That's all it takes. It's just an odds. Like you're just playing the odds. Don't worry about the rejection. Everybody's going to reject you. At some point, somebody will be like, yes. Okay. So that's a pretty important lesson as well, though. Very important I lesson. I mean, particularly if you're in like showbiz, but in a particularly- Constant rejection. It's a rejection business. It means nothing to be rejected. Right. People say no constantly. Oh, God, yeah. And also your career can be like one or two yeses. Yeah. Like if you look at David Letterman- Very true. It's like a couple of yeses. <laughs> Two yeses. Two yeses. And, and that's, that's all it. it took. Yeah. That's a very good point. I never right. thought about that. So yeah, I, I, it was just a numbers game. I just kept like submitting to places. A couple took the bait. So I was writing, I was freelance writing and running the show. And then like two days a week working at this comedy club. Um, and then we, Camille got a job in LA. So we were like, okay, I guess let's move to LA. And I was like, I think I could probably find work there. Part and you of- always said that, uh, you said that earlier, you touched on that idea of like moving, being part of, you know, something you're comfortable with. Maybe. Is yeah. that something you're comfortable with? Yeah, I've gotten the first move, I think. And that was another example of how I had to like make sure I was with dated. I was with the person in front of me and not my ex because moving from North Carolina to Chicago, which is what my first husband and I did kind of did was like the impetus to our relationship going away. Right. So I was very scared about moving from Chicago to then New York with Kumail. Cause I was like, this could happen again. I'm so scared. But I was like, Oh, he's a different human being. We'll talk through all this shit. It'll be fine. And it was great. Uh-huh. It was hard in that we were poor as shit. Right. Like we were grindingly poor. Okay. So talk about that for a second, because again, this is like a thing that Mm. like there's a big debate in Australia at the moment Mm -hmm. where they're trying to cut like uh, benefits for the the most underprivileged. Our our government at the moment, you know, all about balancing the budget. And they think the people who should be doing the hard work are, you know, the unemployed and the pensioners. And, and, you know, there's some sort of myth out in our society that being unemployed or having no money is some glamorous life that everybody, you know, (laughs) likes to lead. Like anyone who's ever been in that situation of having no money. And that's why I like to talk about how horrible it is. It was, I mean, it's horrifying, but I will couch it in terms of both Kamal and I come from families that had we said we need money, they would have supplied us with money. Mm -hmm. So we were terrified, but also knew that we had some sort of a cushion. And so in that way, we were better off than a lot of people I know that whose families can't help them out. Um, That being said, Pete Holmes did pay our rent at least twice and we had to pay him back years later because we were like, oh, we don't know what we're going to do. We're, we don't want to admit to our parents that right. we don't have enough money. Uh, and Pete was like, let me just loan you the fucking money. It'll be fine. And it was uh, eventually, but I will never, that was always a really wonderful thing that he did for us. But yeah. it was, I mean, it was a payday line and <laughs> the so interest, interest was incredible. But... I'm still paying that. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Student lines done. He, but never the asked, home, yeah, like... he never asked one time about right. that money. He never once was like, pay me back. Was like whatever you can, just do it. So, which was lovely. But it was like days where I did not have enough money to eat lunch. Uh, I would try to find an ATM that could spit out ten dollar bills because I didn't have more than I had between ten and twenty. Yeah. Um, and I needed just ten dollar bills. It was so. Not- how do you keep the faith when you're at that point? So I. Uh- I don't, I honestly don't, I think we were just like, this is temporary. Something, something will happen. This has got to be temporary. I think we both just had faith that we were not, neither of us are lazy. We work really hard. It just hadn't happened. But we both had the idea of like, this is something will happen. Right. We just don't know when, but we know that if we keep working and don't lose fucking hope, it's going to work out okay. And it did. But I know that you can have all the hope and faith and hard work in the world, and sometimes it still doesn't work out. I get that. Um, but we never got to a point where I was like, okay, you're going to need to find a real job, Kumail. Like, this is not happening. Because the idea when we moved to New York was I would work full-time, and he would uh, like pursue comedy full-time. 
Um, and then I didn't quit my job in therapy until he had gotten a job writing for a television show. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so that's how I was like, okay, it's my turn now. You've had this for a while. Let me... Um, so yeah, so then after years in New York, we moved uh, to Los Angeles. And then I continued freelance writing, so you can do that from anywhere. Uh, just continued building the number of websites I worked for. Um, at this point, I have probably, I'd say 10 websites I could pitch to at any point in time. Uh, I don't write for all of them all the time, but you know. Right. Um, and it's then, your mystery box. Yeah. It's a mystery box. And then uh, I started, within two months of moving here, we started Meltdown. Okay. So um, talk me up through that. And that, cause that's an interesting story to me that this is for anyone who listens to this podcast for kind of practical advice. I like this story because you have started and to put this in context, cause it's not something that you, um, you know, probably feel comfortable saying yourself. So I'll start with like the end and then we can fill in how that actually started to happen. Okay. I, I mean, I can talk about it from a very personal perspective because I actually was doing the, your, your show last night. Last night but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's, I mean, it really is, and I tweeted about it the, the next morning. I said, I think it's, I mean, it's the best show in town. Oh, I think it so really nice is though. Thank I mean, you. And I think it has that reputation now as being the best show in town. I think that if you polled a bunch of people, that would be at the moment, like people would say that, right? Oh, that's nice. And yeah, which is a pretty big deal though, like in LA, you know, yeah, like, I mean, yeah. this is a city where a lot of the best comedians in the world are. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. there's a lot of opportunities here. Like, you know, there's a lot of shows where, like, you know, the, the big shows on the strip, the tourist shows, you know, like the Laugh Factory, the Improv, the Comedy Store. Yep. You have a lot of little tiny, you know, open mics and, you know, backyard shows and taco stands and like all these great, you know, Chinese restaurant shows and all these <laughs> sort of things. But the scene and, you know, maybe there's like Largo as well, you know, but you're talking about a 300 seat, you know, expensive theater where Very you have expensive. to pay like, yeah. you know, your ticket price is going to be $30 plus Absolutely. just for the artist to kind of like break even for the gig sort of thing. There was no sort of show that was that in-between amount where like, you know, this is like a show where you can see some people that you haven't heard of, yeah. but it's going to be full of people. You might get like a drop-in from like a big-time like, you know, act and they will come and probably try something new or do something different. So that's where it is now. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. What? Where did it start? We <laughs> oh, and it's a television show now as and well, also, yeah. and it's become a television show. It has become a television so show. So it's interesting to me that how long, like how long ago did it start? Where did it start? Like how did that all happen? Uh, we started it in October of 2010. So just last week's show was our four year anniversary. Right. Four years. So four years. So this had. is a great case study of like <laughs> what can happen in four years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just started it because I really wanted to run a show. I really enjoyed running a show. Um, and I noticed going to shows with Kamel when we first got here that there were not, there were some good shows, but a lot of them were just people running their like Letterman set that they were hoping to do. And it was just, there was not, I knew that there were cool sets, people here and, and like sets where they had personality and were just people being crazy and weird. I just didn't see them. I saw people running very robotically the same fucking set over and over again because they were hoping some industry would be there that would, and I was like, there's got to be a place where kids, the kids can play. Right. And they already, absolutely they existed. I will in no way say that we're the only one that. Oh, no, no. And there's, yeah. uh, and mm -hmm. I say that, I mean, the reason it's a compliment to say, the, to say that it's such a good room is there are heaps of yeah. brilliant rooms. In there, there were. I just did not know of a lot of them. And I frankly just wanted to be involved. So um, we had become friends with Jonah Ray uh, already when he was in New York. We just kind of met up and we're good friends. And there was one night that all of us were hanging out together. And I was like, listen, guys, after dinner, I want to go look at this venue because I really want to start a show. And I, I got to, I don't think it's a good venue, but I got to take a look. And Jonah was like, oh, you want to start a show? He's like, I run a monthly show at this comic book store. And 
I want to do weekly, but I don't want to do any work for it. I just kind of want to show up and do it. And I was like, okay, let's go take a look. So the first time I was there, I just kind of fell in love with it. It's such a great, right. it's just a great place. It's an amazing space. Um, it's a comic book store. It's a huge store. It's got this really cool room in the back um, that seats like 175 people. It's an amazing space. And I was like, I want to do this. Joan and Kamel both were kind of interested uh, in co-hosting together. And I was like, it would be awesome if you guys did that. Uh, they play off each other really well. They're, they're just fun to be around. So we set it. We kind of created this new show that was going to be a weekly show. And we started it. And the first two or three weeks, we called in every fucking favor we had right. to get every every big person we could. And that, the first couple shows were just all headliners because right. we were like, just come. <laughs> just show up. Please show up. Um, and, and I did people show up? They did. The first one was pretty, and you know, the first one was pretty well populated. I, I, I can't. Maybe seventy five people showed up, uh, but also an LA Times reporter showed up. I have no idea why. Uh, and then she did a piece on the show and like took a photo of the crowd and like, and then they, they and then the next week there were a few more people, and then the next week there were a few more. And um, I just tried to approach it as I would approach a therapist, as a therapist approaching group therapy, which is my job is to make the audience feel safe, but that within that safety, anything can happen. I want the comedians to feel safe, but within that safety, they can do whatever they want. I want them to know it'll start on time. There will be lights. There will be a quiet audience. They will get a good show. They will get their money's worth. They're not going to have to put up some bullshit. Uh, and it's going to be a good show. And as long as everybody feels safe, then we can do some weird shit. Um, and that was my job because I love... It's the letting the dog smell your hand. Exactly, theory. yeah. Like, you know, if, I always say that. Like, if you come out at the start and you turn your chair backwards and you, like, you know, drop the C-bomb as your first line. Yeah, like, what like, are you... It's like, well, what are you doing? Yeah, But yeah. you can do that three minutes in. If yeah. your first, If you, the first three minutes gets them so where you need them, that hand. Yeah. They, will, they will turn the chair around for you. Yeah. They'll, yeah. they'll yell cunt together, <laughs> you know, like... That's but you got to get them there first. Yeah, you know? they're not going to yell cunt on their own without. Right. But how do you? Okay, so here's an interesting mm. gig for me though, like because the reason I think that gig works so well, and the reason that like you know a lot of gigs work so well, and I think there's probably a bunch of reasons for this, but I'd just like to hear what your opinion is. It's a great audience. Oh, they're lovely. You know, they give you they're permission. Yeah. I was I was saying to someone last night about my set where I was like. I was doing this weird thing where I was like, one of my hands was like hanging off the roof and I was like banging the, like the wood on yeah, the roof. Yeah. And I was like, I don't I, like, it wasn't like I had played. I didn't, you know, it wasn't like I'm going to do my banging the roof bit tonight. Like, but it's just like one of those spaces where they kind of, they're like, okay. yeah, when you walk out, there's almost like that thing of like, do whatever you want. Like, you know, we're here. Yeah. We're here. Yeah. Just like your own, like whatever this is. Yeah. And not every room has that. So how do you, access that audience why do you think that you have that audience i mean obviously a lot of it has to do with i think kamal and jonah hosting it and the way they host it and yeah. the sort of comedy they do sets the agenda for yeah. like because if you're going to come every week the one you know the, the thing that you know you're going to see is those guys yeah but mm. what, what other than that do you think has been responsible for that? We, I mean, we, we're very lucky to have a lot of repeat audience. And then now with the television show, we get a lot of new audiences, but they kind of just fall, they just kind of fall into the same thing of being very respectful, but also like being a really, really good audience. Uh, I do think it's Kamal and Jonah kind of setting the tone that like they'll go out and just do the most random bizarre shit with the audience, sometimes involving the audience. And last night, Jonah literally threw an entire bag of candy at the audience, right. like whipped it at their faces. And they were just like, yes, thank you so much. Right. They're the coolest and then human beings. And then introduced me. Yeah. 
as people were blinded and it just and candy in full their of face. shoving candy in their face. I was like, getting diabetes. It was for us the first set and the last set are interchangeable. That oh. is how I think about it. I to me, it is important that the first set be fucking lightning laser good and the last set be lightning laser good and those two sets are interchangeable to me that's interesting to me like so that's so when you look at structuring a lineup mm-hmm. for a show uh other than that which i think is like a really interesting way to look at a show and certainly i think has something to do with i always say this about the comedy and magic club in hermosa the audience are always great from the start because the room has trained them mm-hmm. that there is not a like you know some rooms train people they have the worst person on first well exactly. the least experienced person on first I, then I the second lease so and you're weird. like and so you train the audience oh we don't really have to pay attention until halfway exactly. through exactly i feel like that's such a weird thing to do i we like to we like to have heavy hitters beginning and end and then the people who are newer to the show kind of uh, cushion is not the right word but just kind of put them in between so they're like there's never a moment where you should stop paying attention there's never right. a dull, dull moment that's a uh, uh but also like particularly for new acts and which yeah. i think is always great there's never a moment where you have to deal with anyone else's business yeah that's like, you very know, true. if yeah. you're at a club and like, say there's a new act who, yeah, might be trying something new or just didn't quite hook with the audience of the way it's a short spot, you know, like that can just happen. Yeah. And then exactly. the the host comes on and says, and here's the next person. And you go on the stage and you're, you're like, like, oh, jeez, oh, now I have to clean up some right. weirdness. Yeah. So yeah. I have to clean up some weirdness. I have to deal with the fact that the audience are like, oh, I don't know if we like people that we don't know. <laughs> and this is another person that we don't know, you know, like, yeah. and none of that's your business. Yeah. And I mean, there's a certain amount of that in every show. You're yeah. always going to be dealing with some business. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, I'd like... Uh, you dealing with candy. Yeah, you're dealing with candy. <laughs> but like, yeah, hopefully it makes it better. Like, yeah. And in that circumstance, they were like, I mean, when I went on stage last night, <laughs> Like it, like it was like they knew me. It wasn't. Well, of course they knew no, no, you. No, no, no. I don't mean like that. But oh, I mean yeah. it was like you know, it was like they were excited. Like no, they were just full of candy and excited. But that's the perfect. <laughs> but if you can roll with that energy, yeah, you know, then that's what works for the show. So, what other philosophies do you have? Do you have certain philosophies like or rules or? you know, things that you kind of go, this is not a meltdown idea or this is not the way that we do it or like, yeah, otherwise. We try not to have audience comics on that are, that are known for doing very like uh, a, uh, abusive acts, I guess. Right. I don't know. I, and, and so people who don't fit the tone, like I mean, you, you do have a sense that there is a tone of the room or a tone of a little the, bit. Although I've seen, but you'd like to, you know, yeah. But it's not I've a, seen all kinds of people kill in the room that I was like, I don't right. know how this is gonna go, but they'll they'll absolutely kill. I think if you are there and you're not shitting on the room and you're not, because uh, that's a trick a lot of people try that doesn't always right. work, and oh. you're not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you're not calling them all nerds, right. which is also a trick I feel like a lot of people do. Yeah. Uh, if they're, they're like, hey, they, I, I, I have seen that before. Yeah. Too, and I'm like, oh, you know, they don't live in the comic book store. <laughs> like, yeah, they're just like. Like when you do that Chinese restaurant, yeah. do you like. <laughs> it's all pork rolls. Like, <laughs> like, you guys, so what's going on in China, right? <laughs> well, we're not actually Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. Yeah, that's a, that's a great analogy. When you go to the fish taco show, you're yeah. like, look at all these fish tacos, you right. crazy pescatarians. What's going on with battering things, guys? <laughs> what? No, it's, we're just here for the show. That's where it's on. If you're willing to take, like, you know, they'll go with you as, as uh, uh, I don't know. There, there are people that I'm like, oh, you may not be a good fit for the show, but for the most part. How does, uh, and small. so, okay, and again, like, I mean, I, it's the, I'm not looking for specific yeah. examples or anything, but that's a thing about running a room. And yeah. I've had friends who've run room. Yeah. Where, where, you, where you're making – and look, I do it with the podcast. Yeah. And I'm the first to admit it. 
There are people that I think are great that I'm never inviting on this podcast or the other podcast yes. because they are not right for the podcast. They're just not right for it. And I've taken a risk with a couple of people who afterwards I was like, okay, well, they weren't, but I thought <laughs> I they might. Yeah. And I'm sure you do that with your show as well. Absolutely. But how do you – and I haven't had this with the podcast. I haven't had a, a circumstance where somebody's come to me and said, hey, I'd like to do the podcast and I was un- I said no. But yeah. when you're a room booker and yeah. a booker in a popular room that yeah. everybody wants to play – like I mean, it's, yeah, it's what tough. do you, how does how do you deal with that? Like, what do you have a certain way, or is it a case by case basis? It's very very case by case. And then some people, there's been very rarely that I've had to go to a person. Hey, listen, I just don't know if you're a good fit for this room. I think you're really funny. But a friend of mine in New York who ran a show was just casually talking about his show, and he was like, you know, uh, not everybody, not everybody's going to do the show right. about his own show. And I was like, I never even thought about it that way. I was like. Not everybody's going to do the show. That's great. And it's such a great – because it's, it's hard to get. I get 20 to 30 emails. Uh, I'd say I probably get 15 to 20 emails a day right. um, from people asking to do the show. And it's uh, it's tough. It's tough to kind of uh, – it, it's it's tough. And you what you do is you watch clips and you just go, this person has a really interesting take. I want to see a take on something that I haven't seen in somebody else's clip. I want right. to see you talking about relationships in a way – that even if it starts out in one way, that it surprises me in some sense, that it makes me laugh out loud. Um, and I know people are like, well, how do you get to decide? Well, I do get to decide because yeah, it's my room. It's your room. That's yeah. how. That's literally how. <laughs> and if I'm questioning... But that's a, in itself is like, these are all the responsibilities. I'm sure when yeah, you first tough. were like, I'm going to run something, you weren't like, you know what I'm really looking forward to? <laughs> like watching 15 like clips, you know, per week. Yeah. And like, I mean, I'm sure there's part of that that is wonderful. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sure there's nothing more rewarding than when if you find someone or let someone on and they do I a love great it. job. Being and- able to book someone off a clip that I'd never met before is, I love when I get to do that. And if I'm questioning anything, I always take it to Joan and Kamale and go, hey, guys, I don't, I'm not sure. And they'll be like, eh, I don't know. Or, eh, yeah, let's do it. Um, so it, it does tend to be a team effort, but it's mainly me making the call just because they're very busy and it's also my job. Right. And I don't, they sometimes feel allegiances like, oh, he let me do this thing. And I'm like, well, I don't have any of his allegiances to anyone. Yeah. All these people are my friends, but I don't owe anyone anything. No one owes me anything. I can just make this call based on what our audience will like. And over the years, I've gotten to know our audience well enough because we have so many repeat people that I know, oh, they're going to think this person's kind of wonky. They're going to, they're going to not love this person. They're going to love this person. Tell me that <laughs> then, um, cause this is an interesting conversation mm. as well is how much of uh what you yeah how you book is like you know you going this is a good person for our room and i like them mm-hmm. and how much is like you know th- like the audience you know like how much of the audience feedback do you take oh, on board? Lot. like a you know and, and how do you monitor it uh i i just i like that's what i watch during shows i watch the audiences i more than i watch the comedians just because i want to see how they're responding to stuff um, and I'm always fascinated that moment when a group of people goes from being a bunch of individuals to like one unit. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I do one thing I pride myself on is that our room, the audience is like that. They, right. they feel That's like a community yeah. and they hang out together and, you know, they feel like they're part of our family. They feel like they can talk to me. That sounds horrible. Like, Oh, they get to, <laughs> they get to speak to me. No, they like, if they, they come to me, if they feel weird about stuff, they, you know, I go to them if I have questions about stuff. Like they, they are the show. Without mm-hmm. them, we don't have a show. We're just a fucking weirdos in the back of a store. So I uh, absolutely rely on them. I ask them from time to time, "Who do you want to see on the show? Who do you like that you've seen somewhere else?" Um, and I try to take their feedback and, and use it as much as I can because it's their show. Right. It's absolutely their show. We have a core group of like maybe thirty to thirty-five people who come every single week. That I never want them to stop coming. Like when. 
I, I will do any, like if they find yeah. that they get when the, the show is not for them, it's not for anyone. Exactly. Yeah. When it, when we're sold out and they haven't gotten a chance to get out, I'll always make sure they get in because they're not there. There are, we call them our centurions because during the, when we were taping our pilot, we taped two episodes back to back and we had two, like all of the people, we had two, a group of people that was there for both tapings. Uh-huh. We call we kept being like, well, what are we going to do the centurions? We got to make sure we feed the centurions. And I was like, <laughs> that's what they are. There are centurions. There are like, there are like, uh, our, yeah. our little knights and knight and, and princesses. And there are, what are the female knights called? I don't know. Uh, there are like, there are constant. That's who we have. Yep. So I'm always thinking of those 35 people. And then also the rest of the people that are, you know, kind of come in and out or come once a month. But those 35 people are who I'm kind of usually thinking about. It's a very um, nice way to kind of wrap this up because the reason that this podcast is back is because of, you know, those 35 people. Yeah, you exactly. Know, or, you know, my centurions. <laughs> like the people who, when I took it all down because – I didn't put it up enough and then iTunes took it off and then it got complicated. It was one of those things. And then I just kind of let it all go. And like for six months, I've just had emails from people going, you know, please, could you keep doing it? Where is it? So it's back for that reason. And uh, so thank you to those people. And so that's a nice way to round it off there. But before we go, uh, law and order, I want to talk about law and order because you like law and order. I love law and order. You love law and order. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the first things I ever read of yours online was a thing that you'd written about <laughs> Lauren Order. I uh, I love Lauren Order also. What is it about Lauren Order that for you? Because like to me, because I like good. I like what you'd think. Like I get a bit embarrassed about talking about Lauren Order in the Never. way that I get a bit embarrassed about like. It feels to me like I've got like I'm like, hey, the new U two album's pretty good. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like it feels like at one, you know, like we're supposed to be cooler than that, right? But we're yeah. not. All the other TV shows I like, I can be like, you know, like they're no, kind of totally. cool. Yeah, but I'm yeah, like, yeah. but you know what? I really like Lauren. Oh, it's so great. Yeah. So what? When? Like, what is it about Lauren Order? What's your fascination with it? Talk to me just briefly about Lauren Order. I'm. Uh, I love. I and I. The thing you're talking about that I wrote, I ranked every cast of Law yes. and Order because, and I assigned that to myself just so I could watch. A and who is your I, which I love by the way I love starting a project where you're like I'm really only doing this I'm yeah. th- I was thinking about like starting a, a podcast about quantum leap just, just so I could go back and watch it's a great idea people could get down with that I right think. Yeah, yeah I really love quantum um, leap too, I didn't but... watch that much of it but that's another story anyway so um, um so I think my favorite cast yeah so tell me about your favorite cast it's hard I I, I really love D'Onofrio and Catherine Irby uh-huh. um, for Criminal Intent yep that's a great one he, I was, he wasn't too crazy for you he wasn't I like thought too... he was great How he's ridiculous in uh-huh. that show but I mean ridiculous he's amazing yeah I he's agree. scenery chewing you can see Catherine Irby like rolling her eyes at right. some of his antics sometimes <laughs> it's fucking amazing I love that combo I also love Ice-T um, on SVU with yep. Mariska Hargitay and Chris Maloney, who's now gone, which is a bummer. Um, and uh, rounding out with Richard Belzer, that's a great cast. Right, that is then a I good also, cast. Then I also, Orbach and Jesse L. Martin, those are great too. Right. But I think my, it's to me, it's D'Onofrio and, uh, and the Ice-T, Chris Maloney, Hargitay combination. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, all right. It's so great. It's yeah. so great. Um, I, really, I just love it because it's comforting. You know what's going to happen. Right. Someone's going to get murdered in the first 35 seconds. There's going to be a couple of redirects. They're going to figure some shit out, right. either by their good detective work or getting in somebody's face. And then at the end of it, someone's going to say a one-liner, which I call the dick wolf. That's right. the dick wolf. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of it, they're like, well, I, I guess the harbor harbored some resentment. And then they're like, 
<laughs> Dick Wolf. That's all yeah. you need to know. Like that's no, the best. N- normally getting into a lift. Like it's normally outside a lift and then getting into a and lift. And then you so. see the doors close. You're uh, like, ah, oh, Dick Wolf. Uh, Man, you got Dick Wolf. It's just comforting. I know it's formulaic. It's and also yeah. one of those things where you get to keep up to date with like all the issues you should be across. <laughs> You're like, essentially. They're so good at that. Right. Yeah. They, um, I follow a, a Twitter account called SVU Writer's Room. Uh-huh. And it's literally the writer. It's not a parody account. It's the actual writer's room of SVU. Yeah. And they're like, ooh, what's going on with Mariska today? Like, <laughs> they're like, they're so into t- like live tweeting the episodes and like, oh, you're going to love this week. We take a right. rip from the headlines and then they'll tweet like a thing. Yeah. Never has a show uh, <laughs> so flaunted it's uh, none of the characters in this are real or based on anyone than Law and Order. <laughs> like, that is 25 years of a show running that thing and going this is all based on things like this literally they're doing that I'm not touching you like holding their hand like um, an inch from your face and telling you they're not touching you because they aren't technically touching you but you know that's fucking Beyonce in the elevator with the oh yeah yeah yeah. this uh, yeah the Glasgow man has nothing to do with Anyway. Why do you love it so much? Uh, no, I think the same. I, uh, you yeah. know what? I will tell you that the first time I ever came to America, I was I, – I, <coughs> I had um, gone to Canada to chase a girl. Mm-hmm. I'd met a girl. That's where they are. Like I'd, I'd met her once. We'd met like once. Wow. And like it was like a foolish, romantic, like, you know, young gesture. I don't regret a moment of it. That's fantastic. It was fantastic. But I, you know, as it turns out, the three weeks or whatever I was going to spend there was going to be too much, you know, like it was, you know. It's a long time. Right. It was a long time. <laughs> so I took off like with a week to go and I thought, I'll go to New York. You know, I'm in Canada. I'll go to New York. I've never been to New York before. So I had a week in New York and I got this hotel and I definitely walked around New York and saw New York. But I'd never had cable TV before. Oh, wow. And they were like, there was like, essentially like, there was like a, a just a network that was showing Law and Order like 24 hours a day. I think that's TNT. I think you're right. referring to TNT. <laughs> and I, like, I would not even like to admit on this podcast right now how much of not seeing the greatest city in the world I did. To see it on your TV to screen. see Law and Order. <laughs> like, she takes place in New York, so you're totally covered. Oh, I know, but seriously, I mean... That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and in fact, I think I just went out the rest of the days trying to find scenes that I'd seen. In, and recreate. <laughs> I mean, in Law and Order. So, no, I've always loved it, and I think the same. I, I, I could... It's just my good... Like I was watching the, the episode that I was referencing was about the Glasgow man was like literally last night's episode that I was watching today. And it's just one of those things where I'm like, I'm always going to watch an episode of it. If it. Yeah, woe be unto you if you have anything else to do and you happen upon an episode because then you're like, well, uh, right. let's go ahead and get this one out of the way and then I'll get back to work. Everything will be fine. Yeah, right. I cannot... I just avoid the television because I know I will find. Well, episode. it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Uh, okay, speaking of everywhere, uh, <laughs> I'm going to put an intro on this anyway. Um, but uh, where can people find you? If they want to know more about you, if they are excited about this podcast and they want to like tweet you and tell you that they enjoyed it, if oh. they want to like, you know, uh, find the indoor kids and listen to that, if they, any of the things okay. that you would like to tell people about. Um, on, on Twitter, I am at the Gynamite, which if I'd had it to do over i maybe would have changed the name a little but uh it's t-h-e-g-y-n-o-m-i-t-e the dynamite and uh that's where you can find me for the most part i'm also on tumblr at emilyvgordon.tumblr.com and my podcast is called the indoor kids and it's on uh the nerdist network which is nerdist.com and it comes out every monday uh, I, I wasn't going to do this because well, I know that you have to explain your Twitter handle every time that you do a podcast. But every time I hear you say it, and I, 
and I've heard you explain it a bunch of times, but it just still makes me giggle. This is how it's a much, ridiculous one. Uh, no, well, but particularly because in Australia, like there used to be this like song. It was a children's song called Peanut Butter Vegemite. <laughs> Peanut Butter Vegemite. And the first time I ever like heard what I could consider, like, you know, when everyone's like, when did you, like, when was the first time you made people laugh or whatever, or the first time that you, I didn't write this but I was at a camp and the kids started singing penis butter vagina mite. And I just like, it made me laugh so much. Penis it's butter vagina mite. It's fantastic. But now every time you say your Twitter handle, all I hear is vagina mite. Like that's like, it just. Uh, yeah, I get that. Anyway, that seems like a nice way to end the podcast. Um, if people would like to come and see me live, all my dates are at willanderson.com.au and I have another podcast that I love a lot, that you guys don't love as much, but I'm going to uh, – it's my – plugging it. It's my Rudy and <laughs> Rudy. Uh, it's called Tofop, T-O-F-O-P. You can find that at tofop.com or in all the places that you can find podcasts. Uh, thank you so much. For, thank you for having me. This was great. on the podcast. Cheers. I gotta know where you stay for